The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, everyone. Just want to let you know, this podcast was finished recording before the Giants signed Marcus Golden, the edge rusher formerly of Arizona. Uh, It's a one-year deal. Uh, It makes a lot of sense. He works with James Betcher. Uh, He's working his way back for an injury, so he should be a pretty good fit. This podcast just talks about Golden Tate, his contract, his impact to the Giants offense, and what that's going to mean for the Giants plan going forward. So hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue View Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Vum, and we have some news. Uh, The Giants, who have been mostly not very active on the free agent market in the opening days leading up to this, their only big signing was Antoine Bethay. Of course, there were a couple of trades that you might have heard about, (laughs) but... On Thursday, they signed wide receiver Golden Tate. He spent the last half of last year with the Philadelphia Eagles, was with the Detroit Lions before that, the Seattle Seahawks before that. So he is a a fairly big signing. Per Adam Schefter, the contract terms are four years, $37.5 million dollars including $23 million fully guaranteed. What should we be making of this, Chris? I kind of have no idea. This is one of those signings which have become 
fairly commonplace for the Giants that it makes sense in a vacuum. But it is also confusing. That is, yeah, we'll have to wait for the exact structure of the contract to come out, but that's a, a lot of years and a lot of guaranteed money for a receiver who is going to be 31 when the season starts. Yeah, and it's a good point there because during the combine, when Dave Gettleman was speaking to the media, when he was talking about Landon Collins, but just overall roster building, he said you have 53 roster spots uh, and a certain amount of cap space. You can't look at every move in a vacuum, but it feels consistently like the things Gettleman has done have been in a vacuum. This is a thing where you can look at it and be like, well, the Giants don't have receivers and someone needs to catch the ball. Golden Tate was the best available. Sure, go out and get him. But if you look at it in the overall plan of wondering what the Giants are doing, if they were rebuilding, it's signing a 31-year-old mostly slot receiver to a four-year deal with a lot of guaranteed money isn't exactly the way most teams would be trying to rebuild. It brings up a lot of questions in trying to figure out exactly what Tate's role is and how he's going to fit in the offense. At 31 years old, he's not in the physical prime of his career anymore. You're going to be paying for the declined seasons. We'll get into whether that has already happened or not. The signing brings up a whole bunch of questions that I'm not sure if we have the answers to right now. It, no, I mean, oh, why don't we start with the obvious one? Sterling Shepard, the giant slot receiver, who has been one of the best slot receivers basically since he entered the league and led all slot receivers in touchdowns as a rookie. You know, what is his role? We know he is better. He can play outside. He did that a fair bit at Oklahoma. He did it a little bit more last year, especially after Odell got hurt. Are they now looking at him as primarily a wide receiver? Are they going to maybe do what we were begging them to do for weeks on end and motion Evan Ingram or Saquon Barkley out to wide receiver and then maybe play Shepard and Tate at at dual slots? Yeah. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, it, it's a big question, especially with the, the fit with Shepard, who is better in the slot. I've, we've talked about how he does have the versatility to play on the inside and outside. I wrote this week on Big Blue View, looking at the options at wide receiver later. I put up a split of Shepard with and without Beckham in 2018, and he struggled a little bit, actually a lot of bit, with... <laughs> with Beckham not playing and when he was used on the outside more often. So that was one of the concerns with the Beckham trade is what the Giants were going to do there. Now the concern is Shepard and Tate have very similar skill sets. They're better in the slot. They both can play outside. So if you want, maybe there is that versatility there, but you kind of have to wonder if there's a balance that can be found to make that work out better. It's not like putting him with Odell Beckham, who could play the slot, but he was so good on the outside, one of the best receivers in the league, that you know, moving them around was really more of a matchup advantage of, of just getting those different looks with Tate and Shepard 
Shepard, it's probably more about trying to figure out where you can get the best from each of them. And then you have to wonder if Shepard is just on the trade block. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. I wonder if Shepard is going to be on the block and possibly moved and the Giants will have to figure out what to do as a number two receiver opposite Tate just because of how much their skill sets just overlap. Yeah, and you know, this we had heard during the season that the New England Patriots were in hot pursuit of Beckham and that they wanted to trade for him so they can get him relatively cheaply, even if they had to move a first round pick for it. This was back before he got his contract and just have him on the last year of his deal. That's one of the inefficiencies the Patriots love to exploit. And they do happen to have three third round picks this year, or at least right now. I honestly can't say I would be terribly surprised to read that Sterling Shepard is traded and traded to the Patriots because he also fits their offense perfectly. A tough, detailed route runner with good hands and run after the catch ability. Yeah, Tom Brady loves those. Yeah, so it does raise a a couple of questions and what the offense is going to look like. Tate is not really a receiver who's been known lately, especially, to be a a downfield threat. I think he can have that ability, but he's mostly been someone who has done most of his work out of the slot in shallow routes, and he's a great yards-after-the-catch receiver. But, I mean, when you just go through what his average depth of target was this year, he had three games with an A dot over 10. So he's doing most of his work fewer than 10 yards down the field. Uh, So that's something you got to take a look at and wonder how that's going to go into the offense. And then do you look at just the grand scheme of of the money? So Schefter reported that 23 million of that contract is fully guaranteed. And we said that's a lot of money. That is right now the ninth highest total guarantee for a wide receiver. So that is Odell Beckham is one, then Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, AJ Green, Corey Davis, and then now Golden Tate. So while his you know average annual salary, if you want to look at that, is only a little above nine, that total guarantee is a lot. So if Tate starts to decline quickly, the Giants might not really have an easy out beforehand again we don't have the structure of the contract right now but that amount of guaranteed money to a 31 year old wide receiver is that's a lot to give up so to peel back the curtain a little bit we had a podcast that we had recorded earlier it's kind of not really applicable now with some of the things we talked about after the signing and what but one of the things i brought up is if the giants will have to pay a premium to get some players to come in now and it kind of seems like that is what happened with tate paying that much guaranteed is a lot of money to pay to golden tate even if you considered him the number one receiver on the market um, and then you look at oh, just the overall plan of what happens here so this per nick cordy i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing his last name right of over the cap he does great work with the compensatory picks and he's kind of the only person who really knows the formula and he's <laughs> usually pretty spot on so he said at tate's contract the eagles are going to add a fourth round 2020 
comp pick with the Tate signing from losing Tate. And again, we're still early in the offseason, so a lot of this is fluid. And the Giants, by signing Tate, would lose the fifth rounder they could have had with the Jamon Brown signing in Atlanta. So when you look at that too, if the Giants were fully rebuilding and they were going to be looking at those comp picks like some people said they would, that is obviously not the case here because they're potentially giving the Eagles a fourth rounder and taking away a fifth rounder for themselves in the 2020 draft. So this isn't really a long view type of signing either. No. And, you know, getting back to the idea of the Giants might be paying him guaranteed money to get worse. The part I think that worries me the most about this signing, and I don't think I have been um, deceptive in my criticism of Dave Gettleman, and I'm not going to write this signing off as it, it will be bad, but I have to say I do have concerns. It could be good because Tate's ability to run after the catch should, should anyway, mesh well with what Pat Shermer likes to do on offense, you know, get the ball to playmakers in space. But last year, football outsiders had Tate rated as the second worst receiver in football by their DYAR metric, which is uh, defense adjusted yards above replacement, he was a negative 134. For just some reference, John Ross was a negative 96. Uh, Tate's DVOA, and he struggled in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia had difficulties just fitting him in. Just to kind of steal a point you made before we started recording, but it was a good one, so I'm using it. But even before Tate went to Philadelphia, he had a negative 22.3 DVOA in Detroit. And he had already kind of taken a step back from where he was just the four years before that. So I do have to worry about whether or not he's going to be a viable receiver for very long. Yeah, so last year, among all wide receivers, and in total between Detroit and Philadelphia, Tate had the ninth most targets of any receiver from this slot. That that also includes tight ends, because Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz are on the list I'm looking at. So Tate had 92 targets from the slot, only 60 receptions. That's not a very high rate uh, on slot targets. It's 672 receiving yards, 328 of them came through the air, 332 yards after the catch, so almost exactly 50-50 there. He's a kind of a broken tackle machine. He had 16 broken tackles, uh, which... (laughs) So this is uh, crazy. Uh, So per Sports Info Solutions, just using their leaderboards right now, uh, Tate had 16 broken tackles on receptions from the slot last year. Number two had six. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, in terms of the Giants offense, he's going to fit in in that regard of getting thrown the ball and having to break a crap load of tackles before can gain any yards. That was what Saquon Barkley had to do last year. So there's part of Tate's game that works and there is positive. I like Tate as a player. How he fits with the Giants just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, of course, he's going to have that low A dot and B that slot option, and that might make things easier for Eli Manning. Possibly that makes things easier for the next quarterback, if that's a rookie this year, or if that's a rookie in 2020. I mean, it's not a terrible piece to have, but looking at the whole thing in context, it is a very 
weird piece at his age and at that price to put into what this offense currently is. Yeah, you know, this is a move that could be good. It could work out very well, especially if Tate returns to his 2017 form when he was a top 20, top 30 receiver. But this is a move that does carry some risk of being basically an, another Jonathan Stewart type signing where they're paying for past production. And in this case, paying at least it looks right now, like a fair amount for a while. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's a Stewart signing because at least he's not a running back, but obviously significantly more money than was given to Stewart. But I don't know. I, I think one thing also before this becomes a narrative that gets thrown out there of uh, Tate being a good veteran presence for the locker room. I'm sure this is something that's going to be put out by someone at some point. I I have nothing against Tate as a person. He's been a very fun player to watch in his career, but he's... He's done some celebrations. There's a GIF I've shared uh, very frequently of him doing like a WWE spinning wheel kick to (laughs) Andrew Sandejo when he scored a touchdown one time uh, in a game. So like literally kicked him in the face going across the goal line. And then there's this story about him and Percy Harvin the week before Seattle was in the Super Bowl. They got into a physical altercation. So just going to that thing, and again, I'm not... Not saying Tate is a bad person, but for the Giants now, getting rid of Odell Beckham because he was a distraction and then signing Golden Tate is a real weird look to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not necessarily bad. It's just potentially weird. Supposedly there's a plan at work, which was something we had asked about in the podcast that now never happened. Yeah, so let's get into that now. Let's shift into that because the Tate signing kind of sort of answers a question, but also leaves a lot of things about what the Giants' plan is. Like, do the Giants think they're going to compete in 2019? Like, is that the plan? Well, Dave Gettleman did say they could compete while building the roster, so I'm not sure how much we can take him at his word at anything, but think that does seem to be the plan <laughs> yeah it, it it again feels like the half rebuild half build a competitor which doesn't work you got to pick a lane and the giants have not been able to do that since gettleman was hired so i, I think one other thing that is the fallout here do you think with tate and now a veteran wide receiver signed does it make it more likely for them to draft a quarterback in the first round this year because before this i didn't really see the point because there just wasn't a structure in the receiving court or the whole structure of an offense and how far away it looked like the Giants are, which I still kind of think they are a little far away. But if the Giants think adding someone like Tate is what's going to make this offense better, are they more likely to draft a quarterback this year? On our original podcast, before the Giants signed Tate, we both agreed that they'd probably be best served by building up the ecosystem into which a young quarterback would enter. So, you know, they could actually have success right away. Personally, I thought maybe they would be at least decently served to take a lottery pick this year, like a 
Jarrett Stidham or Brett Ripien, if they happen to be there in the middle round, you know, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. I think this does kind of bring quarterback back into the conversation. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure it totally ever left, especially outside of the worst case, at least for us, scenario of the Giants using the 17th overall pick on Daniel Jones after going best player available at number six. But again, as we brought up before, the Giants were in heavy attendance at Oklahoma. Pat Shermer and Chris Mara were standing right behind Kyler Murray in for the throwing portion of his workout. Maybe, maybe that is back on the table. So it, it, it's interesting because I think the way the Giants offense is structured right now, uh, I th- it's more of a Dwayne Haskins offense than a Kyler Murray offense. I think Murray has just great deep accuracy, the rocket arm and everything that Murray does. But Haskins does have a great arm, has really pretty good deep accuracy, just didn't use it a lot. That Ohio State offense was very based around the shallow uh, drags and crossers and things. So they're almost replicating that type of style. So I wonder if Haskins, this is possibly a hint toward Haskins? I'm not sure. I don't know if we want to take too much away from that, but this kind of starts setting up like the Ohio State offense was set up last year. Yeah, uh, get the ball to Paris Campbell short and let him just do his thing. Yeah, there was, or a, there was a lot of that in, at Ohio State. And Haskins has the ability to throw deeper, but just a lot of what he did was in, in the short and intermediate area. So I... I it's something worth trying to figure out, I guess, as as we look further into what the Giants are going to do. This signing, I guess, was kind of rumored, but mostly came out of nowhere. And I think and it, it still raises more questions about what the overall plan is than it answers. It definitely, and especially with the contract, because I'll just say I jumped right on writing our announce post for it. And I did not see the the terms. So I was basically operating under the assumption that it was probably a one-year, like maybe $5 million deal, just a, a bridge to get them to 2020, not spend too much, keep most of their cap room, you know, maybe roll as much of it as they can over to next year. But then I see, you know, four years that much guaranteed that took me completely by surprise yeah and it's going to come down a, a lot to structure it can be a super expensive two-year deal it can be a slightly expensive three-year deal it's probably not going to end up being the four-year deal but uh, there's there's a lot of money there and even with the structure it's still uh, quite an interesting deal for the Giants to put on their books. But this is now the, the first, I guess, major move of whatever the plan is. We still don't really know. I don't think this gave us a very clear view into what the plan is. So we'll continue to monitor if we get any more hints because this this is a very strange signing to me. But we will continue to dive into the Tate deal once more details come out. We'll continue to monitor the rest of the deals as free agency continues. 
We're going to end this show here so you can get this podcast wherever you find your podcast. Please rate and review if you have not. That helps us out greatly. Read our work. Uh, we're going to be writing a bunch of stuff on BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. Uh, you can follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.